Thanks for joining us for this edition of Forward Church Online. Today's podcast was recently recorded at one of our live worship experiences. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, if you brought your Bibles, let's go ahead and just dive right in tonight. Turn with me to, to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And as you're turning there, um, as you know, we have been in an amazing uh, collection of talks um, having to do with or around the church. And tonight is, I know you guys are going to be sad about this, but tonight is the final installment, the final installment of this series we called simply A Better a better church. Yes, just let it come up, my buddy. <laughs> Those of you that are joining by podcast this evening, um, <laughs> we have a visitor in the house tonight, and he is he is a little man doing his thing. That is what it is. We love, love family. But we have, in this series, we have, um, we have unpacked and um, really focused in on who. Everybody say who who it is that we are called to be as the church. And I really felt that it was important that we did a balanced approach um, in this series, not just what the church is, but what the church is not. Because if, if you've been around church, a lot of times you have heard us uh, or you have heard church or people in the church say, you know, this is what the church is. This is what we believe. More than, most, most of the time we post it on a plaque on the back of the wall. This is what we believe. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. But nobody really talks about what we're not. Somebody said, well, why is that important? This is why I believe it's important. Because we can, be, we can get so focused as the church on what we're doing how we're supposed to do it, do it this way, that we, uninevitably, we, un, and unbeknownst to us, we don't realize it, but we have actually begun to back away from the direction and the destination that we're supposed to be going as a church because we're focusing on, my destination's here, but I'm focusing on, I gotta do it this way, and I gotta say it this way, that we lose sight of what we're supposed to be doing. So what I wanna, why I say it, that's important, not just to uh, focus on what it is we're supposed to be doing, and what it is that we are, I know that's not good grammar, but I know you're following me because you're, you're looking at me like, I think I understand, but I know, I know you do. But it's important that, that we also say, what is the church or what, this really ain't going to be good English. What, that, I can't even say it that way because I didn't, what the church isn't. How about that? that oh, is that better, baby? Did I say that right? Because the way I was going to say that, I would have flunked and been in kindergarten one more time. One more time. And I say that because we talked about what church isn't. Church isn't just a place we come and hang out just because, you know, my man wears a gator shirt and I like the gators. Y'all know that's not true. I'm not going to hold it against him. This is not just a place we come hang out, okay? Scott, I'm just picking on you. I'm sorry, bro. That's just what happens. When I learn your name and you're in the house, we all family immediately. Um, But anyway, it's not a country club. Church is not a country club. Uh, it's not a place where the cool kids hang out. It, it's, it's, it's not an, an exclusive group that thinks we got it all together. So when we say, how do we become a better church? We're not saying, how can we make forward better? Okay. And I know a lot of people kind of thought, oh, well, where's he really going with that title, a better church? How do we become a better church? No, I'm not talking about how we make the local church better, but how do we make Big C? How do we make the church better for the kingdom? And although we want to do our best, 
and we want to give our best at reaching lost people, our focus isn't necessarily on an organization or a local church because church, as we know and we've said, is much, church is much bigger and it's deeper than just a building. Everybody say amen. Church is not about a building. It's, if that was the case, we've said it, then forward church wouldn't be a church because if you had to have a building. Church is much deeper. Church is, is not about a building, but it's about a people. And I'm learning that if you want to build church, church, you've got to be committed to the process. You may want to write that down. If you're a leader in this house, I want you to write, if you are a leader or in a leadership role in this house, I want you to write that down. If we're going to grow the church, big C, if we're going to grow the church, we must be committed to the process of developing people. And that's not always pretty. We got to be committed to the process of developing people. That means you got to jump in the ditch with them. That means you got to cry when they cry. That means we get to we get to be excited when when they're excited. When Susie's is Susie in here? Does she have to slip out? Susie's Grant, she's 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 serving back there. That's what I'm talking about. Susie's got a, a new grandbaby. When she, you know, first thing I saw her the other day after the baby was born, I saw her uptown somewhere, and she flipped that phone to me, showed me the picture, and I and I expected like I wanted to see the picture. So when when our family gets excited, we we jump in and get excited with them. Amen. And I believe that God is developing us. I don't believe that he I don't believe that he has to develop us and make us perfect before he can use us. And I also know like for me I've always been a worship leader and now he's developing a different area and he moved me into a role as an executive pastor whatever that means that just means I handle administration and the stuff that nobody else wants to talk about and deal with. That's what I do. And then and then he moved me into being a speaking pastor so he's developing me and I say all that to say I'm not a perfect speaker. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect daddy. I'm going to fail. But he still uses us. He, he, he doesn't say, oh, i got to develop him, make him right, make him perfect. Then I can put him out there for the world to see. No, no, no. He, I'm a better asset to the kingdom in my jacked up state. Because people can see that fool's crazy. And Jesus is still using him to touch people's lives. That's the same thing he wants to do in your life. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, say, I might be a little jacked up. If you got if you got a spouse that you just told that to, they were I I, I felt an unction in the Holy Ghost right there. I just felt them say yes. <laughs> I told you he ain't through with me yet. He's not through with me yet. But what I've done in this series, and I'm not a farmer by any means. Okay, <laughs> no kidding, right? I'm not a farmer, but what I believe I've done in this series, and we're getting ready to go to First Peter chapter two. I know y'all are like, dude, I've been here for like ten minutes. What you waiting on? I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting revved up. But this, what I believe we've done is we have tilled the ground, the fallow ground of religious tradition, and I said it that way on purpose. Somebody said, "What's fallow ground?" Fallow ground is ground. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I looked it up in the dictionary, and it should be right. Fallow ground is ground that has been plowed, but has done, has had nothing done to it. There's been no seed planted, or if there was seed put in the ground, the ground's so hard, nobody's watering, the, nobody's watering, nobody's taking care of it, so there could be no harvest. The reason I'm saying that is because that is a picture, to me, that is a picture of the church in general today. Would you agree with that? There's a lot of churches that they, they have the ground plowed, but there's no harvest in the field. I don't know about y'all, but I have been excited over the, just in this month alone, in the month of January, we have seen four people Accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior in this house. I don't, I don't think you heard me. What I said was, we serve people, and people have made a decision to put Jesus Christ first in their life. Just in the first month of 2017. That's incredible. That's incredible. 
And we want to keep it that way because we don't want it to be said of us, oh yeah, they got the, they got the ground plowed, but there ain't no harvest out there. Somebody say, the church. A better church. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. And we also reestablish, and we're getting ready to go right into First, first Peter. We also reestablish that we are called the bride of Christ in this, in this series of a better church. And we talked about that when you think about the bride and a groom, you think about intimacy. But you, can have, you cannot have any intimacy without trust. And, and trust goes both ways. Like when Amy goes to work and she knows that I'm out doing whatever, she can trust me. She, I trust her, but she can also trust me. Therefore, there's intimacy. Same thing with the father. It's, it's one thing to say, God, I want to trust you. But we also, he's also saying, can I trust you? With what I have for you. Can I entrust Forward Church with four people whose lives have been, have, have gone through all, their journey has been separate journeys and just crazy. We don't even know the story. Can I trust Forward Church to bring them in? And can I trust the, the pastors to speak the uncompromised word of God and so that their life can be changed? Can he trust us? Can he trust us? We also looked at the body of Christ that we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Last week, I brought the mannequin up here that I didn't even get to use. But what I wanted to do was to take its arms off and take its legs off. I, did, I wanted it to be limbless. Say limbless. I, I wanted it basically just to have the torso. Because what the Holy Spirit showed me was a lot of churches are nothing more than a torso. They've got the head. I could have kept the head on her. The head would have been there. And the head is who? Jesus. A lot of churches, sure, we, we, Jesus is the head of our church. But they're limbless. They're not doing anything. They have no hands, no feet, no arms. They're not doing anything. They look good. They come together on Sundays. They come together on Wednesday. But they're nothing more than a torso. I don't want to be that. And I said this before. I said the reason a lot of churches aren't going and doing and running with the gospel and reaching people is because they have no limbs. Well, guess who the limbs are? Us. We're the body. Well, I want to be the head. No, no, the head is Jesus. I just want to be the hands and feet. And to be used however he sees fit. We are the body and we're called to bring hope to the hopeless and to those that are broken. The church is the community of all true believers for all time. We are the bride, we are the body, and we are, tonight we're going to discuss this, we are the building. The building. Now the moment that you've all been waiting for. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. Thought we'd never get there, would you? Father, I thank you for this night. God, I thank you as we dive into your word for the next few moments, God, that you would speak to us, reveal yourself to us in a way that we have never. God, may this message never get old. God, may, sure, we know we're the bride, we know we're the body, but God, do we really understand that you're building in us, you're creating and developing in us. Father, reveal yourself to us tonight. Change hearts and lives in this place. And everybody said, everybody said. All right, here we go. Verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, that's me and you, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Everybody say trust. That's important. Will never be put to shame. Verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or 
cornerstone. So tonight we're going to look at what it means to be a building, a building. Why? Because together we are a building. Yes, we're the bride. Yes, we're the body. And we are the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? As many of you know, it was four years ago, this past January 6th, was our very first uh, Sunday here in Forward. Um, Our family, as most of you know, uh, moved from Georgia here. I won't go all through all the details because you're like, we already know exactly how that worked because you, you've told us a hundred times. I'm just going to hit some highlights tonight as we dive into this thing. And um, But when we made that move to move from LaGrange, Georgia, an hour south of Atlanta, back to Chiefland, Florida, our yeses preceded a lot of question marks. How many knows that a lot of times when God asks you to do something, you 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 kind of have that. You try not to be disrespectful, but you're like, really, God? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, y'all too holy. <laughs> y'all got it all figured out. You and God, y'all on the same page. Well, I didn't. I had a lot of questions. But I understood that my yes preceded a lot of questions. We were asking things like, man, who's going to buy our home in Georgia? Like, we had just bought a home. We had lived in it for a year. Thought that's where, you know, where you, Amy's going to bury me out back. Like, we thought that was going to be where we stayed. I mean, after all, we'd been married 14 years, and we'd moved 12 times out of, we lived in 12 different houses in 14 years of marriage. I was like, this is it. We're done. So we're like, God, who's going to buy our house? Like, how is this going to happen? Where are we going to live when we get down there? Say, say you get that, but where are we going to live? There's not a lot of options in Chiefland. Yeah. I was actually here expecting an amen. I didn't know y'all were going to roll hysterically in laughter. But, you know, how are we going to support our family? All of, those, all of those questions. But we want an answer before we give a response. All we knew was God was calling us to Florida to build his church. And when we, when we moved here, everything changed. Say everything. <laughs> What's that mean? everything, everything changed. Listen, when we left, we knew that we would never live, we would never live in LaGrange, Georgia again. Like, we knew that. How many of you would be okay with God just saying, hey, I'm gonna need you to relocate and just be cool with that? Yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. But there's a sense that, it's like when we drove away, there was a sense that the end of, it was the end of one chapter and the start of another chapter. I mean, everything changed. Like when I needed gas, I couldn't go back to the gas station that I always went to. You know, yeah, you, you always go to back to what you know. Well, I couldn't do that. That would have been a long drive. I'd have ran out of gas before I got out of the city limits of Chiefland. Matter of fact, I didn't even get gas. I'm going to tell you how crazy I am. I didn't even get gas in Georgia. We live so close to Alabama, and their gas was 20 cents cheaper because they don't tax their gas. I would drive to Alabama to get my gas. I couldn't do that anymore. It's like highway robbery down here. It's like almost a dollar more in gas, and the church said, Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everything, everything, everything changed. When we went to buy groceries, we had to find a new Publix. I mean, those chiefs don't have one. And we're just partial. We like, we like Publix. So we, we, we had to relocate and find out where the nearest Publix was so we could do that. Everything changed. And, and, and when we moved and everything about our life was different and our family was living in a new space. Our family was living in a new space. And it's important for you and I to understand this. Over 2,000 years ago, the presence of God that was here on this earth made a move. It moved once and for all. It moved from the temple to your temple. It moved from the temple to your spirit. It moved from the temple to your heart, your body, 
You are the building. This is where, I'm, where this is where we're going to land tonight. When 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 he, when the presence of God made a move once and for all, one time, it changed everything. Nothing will be the same again. When you accept and honor and and understand that that concept, nothing will be the same in your life. Man, this this hit me. This 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 has hit me uh, and flipped me upside down. Maybe that, maybe that's why my stomach has been so queasy the past few hours because it's flipped me literally. Upside down. Somebody say, I am the building. Listen, when we look at when Jesus walked this earth, the center of all religious activity was in the temple. Everything that happened, everything happened in the presence of God, everything happened in the temple. God made a decision that he could be, fa- that, that he could be found in the holy of holies. Somebody say, well, what is that? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's the holiest of holies. Some of you already have already done research and know about this, but let me, just, let me just press on a little bit more. It's the inner part of the temple in Jerusalem that was divided and separated from the rest of the temple. So you've got a building, you've got a temple, and then there's this other section that, where the presence of God was. We didn't have access to that. And the veil divided the Holy of Holies from where man resided. And inside of the Holy of Holies was was the Ark of the Covenant. That's where God's presence resided. And before it was in a temple, it was in a tent. It was constructed in a tent, but same concept. There was an area within that tent that where the Holy of Holies was or where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God dwelt. Again, we didn't have access to that. Everybody say, but. We get in there. The veil separated and signified that man could not have direct contact with God. That's what that, that's what that veil represented. It's so funny, when I tell you this, flip me upside down because I've heard this story all my life growing up in church. But, but when we get to the end, you're going to be, I hope it hits you like it hit me, but without the, the queasiness. And the church said, amen. Listen, the veil that separated signified that, there, that, that we could not have direct contact with God. Why? Because a sacrifice had not been made. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. I want us to read this story. And I'm going to read it out of the message translation because I really uh, like this, um, this translation for this, for this story. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. I'm going to go ahead and go there. It will be up on the screen for you. It says, after this was set up, the priests went about their duties in the large tent. Only the high priest entered the smaller inside tent and then only once a year offering a blood sacrifice for his own sins and the people's accumulated sins. So what we see is only one person had access to the Holy of Holies. One person. This was the Holy Spirit's way of showing with a visible parable that as long as the large tent stands, people can't just walk in on God. Can you imagine going to the temple... Can you imagine coming to church and not even experiencing God? Can you imagine coming in here and, and not even feeling the presence of God? Well, first of all, well, I don't want to get that. that I would have jumped way ahead. You would have been like, okay, bingo, that was the end. Let's go home. No. Under this system, the gifts and sacrifices can't really get to the heart of the matter. They can't. I use the word persuade because I can't pronounce that word. The conscience of, of the people, but are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. It's essentially a temporary arrangement until a complete overhaul could be made. Everybody say temporary arrangement. Temporary arrangement. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent 
and trappings in this created world. Have you ever noticed that about God? He likes to bypass the traditions that we put up and call. <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I like God so much because I, I don't. I, I don't have. I don't. Ha- I. I got low tolerance for religious people and anything religious. If it even smells like religion. <laughs> I don't have no time for it. You know why? Because Jesus didn't either. He always bypassed people go, no, 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 Jesus, we need to do it this way. We caught her in adultery. The, the scrolls say she should, she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? That's religious people. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood. Listen, for all this time, the only way we could be covered is because there was a sacrifice of an animal. He said, you know, I'm bypassing that too. Y'all been doing that for way too long. I'm through with that. Everybody say through. Absolutely. Instead, using his own blood as the price to set us free. Somebody say set free. Once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts. Everybody say dead-end efforts. Spinning our wheels to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. How are we supposed to live? All out for God. Like a will that takes effect, a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant has put into action, was put into action at Jesus' death. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new plan, canceling the old obligations and accompanying and accompanying sins, and summoning the heirs to receive the eternal inheritance that was promised them. He brought together God and his people in this, what? Not the old way, the way we've always done it, the way we're supposed to do it because of the B-I-B-L-E. No, the new way. New way. Somebody say, oh, he, he's trying to twist the word. No, 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 <laughs> the new way. Say, new plan. That's what he had. A new plan. Listen, historians tell us that that veil that we were just talking about, that veil was 60 feet tall. I'm not talking about six feet tall. I'm talking about six. Can you imagine those of you that have moved like we have, like the Webbers have? You know, when you have to pull the curtains out of the box, can you imagine pulling a 60-foot curtain out? You'd be pulling curtain out for days. And then you got to put that rod in there. Can you imagine? 60 feet tall, and it was four inches thick. It even says that if two horses, if you would have tied two horses to both sides of it and said, get up on out of here, and they ran in different directions, they could not have, the, the force of the horses could not have split that curtain. That's a thick curtain. That's a thick curtain. But at the cross, he declared, it is finished, and the veil ripped in two top to bottom. Not just a little tear, not just a little snag, it ripped in two. And the presence of God no longer dwelt in a stone temple, but now dwelt within all believers for all time. Y'all missed a good time to give Jesus Christ some praise right there. I'm telling you. I'm going to set you up again so you can do it. When Jesus Christ said, it is finished, the veil was torn in two, and it no longer was housed in an area that only one person had access to the presence of God. We all have access to the presence of God. Come on, somebody. 
What's going to change your circumstance? What's going to change your marriage? What's going to change where you're at? The presence of God. You no longer have to, Pastor Bradley, can you run in there? I, and the priests, they, they, they actually had to tie a, a rope around their ankles with, with some bells so that when they went in, if they had sin or something was a little off, if they didn't hear the bells, they could just pull them back out. Why? Because they couldn't go in there and get him. Y'all remember that part of the story? We, we no longer have to, Pastor Bradley, Pastor Dennis, can y'all pray? No, no. You have access to the Most High God. We no longer have to go through a man to get to God. You have direct access to the presence of God. You have an audience. You have an audience with the King. Man, that's powerful. Listen, I was thinking about it this way. That God was waiting for that moment for the sins to be atoned once and for all. I mean, he was waiting. He was ready. He wa- we've, been, we've been saying it. I've been saying it for weeks in, in other series that God desires to be with you. He calls us his bride because he wants to be intimate with us. He desired more than anything to know you, to love you, and to walk with you and for you and I to be in his presence. That's why when he said it is finished and that curtain ripped, the reason it happened was because he had been waiting for, for a sacrifice once and for all so that he could be with you. He wasn't satisfied with one person representing who he was to you. He wasn't satisfied. And I'm not satisfied with, with you know, somebody else getting more, getting, feeling, how do I, I want to say this. I'm not satisfied if someone else on my row is worshiping or feeling the presence of God more. I kind of get a little jealous. Somebody's crying. I'm like, God, make me cry in worship. Touch me. I I, want to know you like that. You know know why they've done that? It's because there's intimacy. There's moments that Amy and I have been separated for uh, 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 trips or or she's gone or or, or whatever. When I went to Ohio for a week and and when I see her, I'm not making it, I mean, I cry, why? Because I want to, there's, I, miss, I missed her. And it was the same thing for God. He desired to be with us. I was thinking about, I was thinking about um, in high school football, I guess they still do it, um, the run-throughs where they do the big signs and the boys are in the back and they start, you know, they, all that hooping and hollering if you can hear them over the loud music and all that stuff. Why? Because they're anticipating what's going on. They're anticipating what's fixing to happen. They know they've been practicing all week long to show out. Sometimes God, he's just been wanting to show out. He's tired of one person have to come out and represent who God is. Because how many know sometimes we don't represent him probably the way that we should or the way that clearly represents who God is and how his love is for people. And those guys are back there and you can hear them. And all of a sudden when they hear comes the Indians or here comes the Buckeyes or Gators or FSU or whoever your team is. They come out, and that thing is ripped in two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's not so much that the veil being ripped in half, but about the presence of God, excuse me, the presence of God not being able to wait to get to you. That's, That's the part that got me. Why was it so significant? Because the presence of God could not wait to get to you. Did y'all ever watch that, that movie, The Passion? I know it offended some Christians, but there was that one scene when the, when the temple was destroyed, when he said, I'll destroy the temple. But he was talking about this temple himself, but yet the temple was destroyed. And, and, and the religious people, I told you how much I love them. I love the religious people, Jesus. I mean, I do, but I pray for them. Anyway, that's a whole other story. 
but they were in the temple, and they're like, oh, my God. And, and all that stuff starts shaking, and the stones start separating, all that stuff. I just wanted to be, I wanted to jump on set and go, ha, I told you so. <laughs> I mean, that's what God was saying. That's what he was saying. No longer, no longer. They, you know, I wonder sometimes, was it they were truly just misrepresenting who he was? Because, again, it was the religious people that were trying to bring the condemnation. There's a difference between convi- between between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is not going to set people free. Conviction does. And that's not my job. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit's job. In closing. And I'm, I'm winding down, but I hope you're getting this. That God was rushing to get to you. At that moment, everything changed. And never again would there be instructions on how to to erect a building to house this in scripture specific instructions of on how to erect the temple to house the, the presence of God no longer will that ever happen you know who you know who's he what he's building he's building you why because you are the temple you house the presence of God people come in man we feel the presence of God that's cool but you know why you feel the presence of God in here because you walked in because I'm here because you're here because you carry the presence of God in that moment in that moment it is finished veil ripped we became living stones living stones see how when you're building the church you want to build a good church build good people you want to have a healthy church have healthy people I say that all the time. I'm not trying to build a church. I'm trying to build healthy people. Just so happens, healthy people build a healthy church. Did you get that, church? We became the temple of God. We became filled with the presence of God. Hear me. It's important that we don't go back to the old way. Hello, Chieflin, Florida. If I could knock down these walls and have a megaphone and say, stop going back to the old way. He bypassed the old way. All the ways that... It's been instructed from heaven that we're supposed to do it this way. Isn't that right, deacon board? We've got someone who doesn't... He said, I'm bypassing all of that and I'm doing it a new way. Somebody say, don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to break down how we... Remember what I said at the very beginning. How we miss... We're so focused on how to do it instead of where we're supposed to be going. Nothing wrong with boards, okay? I'm cool. Don't misunderstand me. But when we get caught up in more of the board, then we do the the chairman of the board. That's where we get out out of sync. You tracking me? I'm gonna move away from that because I don't want y'all to misunderstand me. That wasn't where I meant to go that direction. But it's important that we don't go back to the old system, back to religion. God the Father said, I'm done with that. How ridiculous does it look to the world when we go back and try to do it? Old system, old way. I'm going to share a quick story. Maybe she won't kill me. Amy had this really fuzzy, cuddly, I liked it, it was cuddly, pink sweater. And it was really cool. And 
I don't know if it was one evening or whatever, she walked out of the laundry room and she held it up. She said, I think I messed up. I was like, why? She held it up. It was a baby doll could wear it. It was real tiny. And I was trying to do that number where you pull it and stretch it. No, 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 no. She couldn't contort her body to get in that sweater. I'm going to leave that right there. But it, it, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. But that's what we look like to the world when we're trying to fit ourselves into a system that doesn't work anymore. You got issues in your marriage? Stop trying to fix it the way you always have. Maybe try Jesus for a change. For a change. You got issues in the church? Got people trying to disrupt? People cause division? Let Jesus handle it. Hello? Stop trying to do it the old way. It's got me. I'm looking for new ways to serve Him. I'm looking for new ways to reach people. That part is true. When I said, how can we become a better church? As a leadership team, we're asking ourselves that. How can we better serve? How can Forward Church better serve your families? How can Forward Church and the volunteers here, how can we better serve our our community? We're getting ready to to contact some of the the leadership in our city to say, how can we serve? We've got a group of people. We just want to come serve. Whatever we want to come serve. We want to show the love of Christ. Ain't asking for no, no publicity, no, 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 no TV time, no big ad in the chief and citizen. We just want to serve. How can we serve better? How can we love better? So think about the pink sweater. When you try to go back to old ways, old thinking, old mindsets. The veil being ripped signifies that a five-year-old child can... What, does, what did the veil... What did that signify? That a five-year-old child can kneel down beside his bed at night and immediately have access to the presence of God. Didn't need Benny Hinn, Paula White, Joel Olstein, Bradley. Didn't need none of them people. I don't even... I wasn't even trying to put myself in the same boat. I'm just saying didn't need none of them. A five-year-old child could get down on his knees when his mom and daddy's out there yelling, probably slapping each other around, and he, they could say, Dear God, help! And immediately they're in the presence of God and has an audience with the king. When you get into a situation, all you got to say, it don't matter if you're in a hospital room and you can't call the bishop with a white collar to come in and read you last rites and all that, all you need to say is, Jesus, I need you! And immediately you have access. That a hospital room transforms and becomes the holy of holies. And I hope you're getting this tonight. Because now when stuff starts going crazy, I don't need to put on Facebook. It's cool. Prayer chains are cool. I don't need to put all that out there. All I need to do is say, I need you to come help me through this. Help me control my mouth. Help me, help, help me to have a clear understanding and a mind of wi- godly wisdom. You and I are the building. We must be intimate with Him. We're the bride. We're the body. He's got to trust us. I think that He does. 
The construction has always... Jesus was a carpenter. The construction, however, has always been the church. People. No longer a barrier of separation. And he's calling us to build his church. Not just for this generation, but for the one on the other side of this wall. See, Dennis Weber won't always be the pastor. Bradley Weber, matter of fact, there may not be no Webbers involved with Forward Church. Forward Church will still be. Why? Because we understand that we're living stones being laid upon one another. Being constructed as the church. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.